bum, bum, bum. Hey, vampires. With Jessica. And Mickey. Hello, hello. So I've, I've actually gone to the theater once, twice, twice. That yeah. seems like a lot in time that has passed um, since we last recorded for some reason. Um, yeah. Okay, so I did see Cocaine Bear. I know you haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm going tonight, yeah. It's exactly what you think a movie called Cocaine Bear would be about. It is about a bear who ingested cocaine. I guess it's loosely based on a true story that happened. You know, like cocaine on a drug deal fell from the sky and then a bear ingested it. It's it's kind of exactly what you want out of a movie called Cocaine Bear. I really enjoyed it. I also saw it in the city. So, like, everyone was hollering. It was, like, just kind of perfect. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Banks directed it. And she's yeah. really fucking funny. You know, she came up in the realm of, like, Seth Rogen and um, David Wayne and stuff like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, you know, I really like her and I, I think she's funny, but every time I see her in a serious type of movie, I'm like, what? What is she doing there? <laughs> um, yeah. And I saw Ant Man, like Quantumanium or whatever. Um, okay. So it's one of those movies. And this is a lot better than I think people are giving it credit for. Um, mm. It's very, I guess, comic based um, for some of the characters uh and you have to have well you don't have to have seen loki but like you it loki leads up into this movie yeah. into that um realm and the characters and so like i can see how some people might be lost it was an introduction to the character but um i can see how some people are like i don't really understand what the fuck's going on here i really liked it it's it's okay. really hard to and i get like people are kind of like comic book movie out right now or marveled out or whatever but i will say that it was pretty good it was like pretty funny paul rudd is just likable in whatever he does which is so annoying i think i i might have talked to it uh, about it but that show like the shrink show where it's him and will ferrell his character was like so repugnant it's the only time i didn't like him and now i'm like do i like paul rudd but i do totally do i i think part of the burnout of the marvel stuff you know is that how many years have we gotten with Marvels right now? Like over, uh, let's see, Ant Iron Man was what, 2006, 2007? So we're looking at like almost 20 years, like 15, 16 years of like Marvel films. And as fun as they can be, they don't feel any different. Like you really, it's like, and I think that's where the burnout's coming from. It's like, okay, cool. I get it. Show me something new. Like give me something, a new type of Marvel film or something, you know, crazy, you know, like, and I feel like every time they promise that, it still ends up feeling like a mark. Like, uh, God damn it! What was the show that led yeah. into Doctor Strange? Wanda and Vision. Oh yeah, Wanda Vision. Vision and Yeah, Wanda Vision. That's right. That's right. Um, like the setup of that, like the first few episodes, is like, oh, okay, I'm into this. This is something that's not traditionally Marvel, and yet the, then the last episode is like, oh yeah, we're now we're watching a Marvel. You know, it's a mini Marvel movie. And it's like I think that's my problem. With that's where I get burnt out. Is like I'm like I just want something new and fresh and i don't feel like we're getting that we're just getting the same movies with different characters and like a different villain that we should be like oh shit this guy's a big deal and i'm excited i love jonathan majors but um and i did like that part in loki where he was introduced i was like yeah for those who haven't watched all of loki spoiler alert jonathan majors <laughs> is a big part of I was it like we're not leads into... <laughs> whatever Are i we mean really... it... no we're really not it's been out for a long time now like if you haven't watched it it's your own fault and does it really spoil it? Because he doesn't quite play no. the, the character. Exactly. So, you know what. But 
I do um, think the setup why. is really cool, though. Like, I like this realm of, um, you know, multiple, ver- you know, multiple universes. Um, yeah. DC is about to do it, too. And I guess in the comics, I think DC came a little bit before in the terms of the multiverse. Yeah. Before Way Marvel. Before, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so, but it's funny because obviously in the movie realm, Marvel had done it first, but now they're introducing, you know, with that Flash movie, which is really interesting because of Ezra Miller, but they kind of have to put it out or they're going to lose a whole shit ton of money. But this is, and you know, I'm sorry, multiple I Batmans. I think it looks good. And listen. I think it looks so, I'm so fucking pumped for it. it and like, I, 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 I mean, I'm only pumped. Because, I mean, like, honestly, like, I was watching and I'm like, uh, I was like, whatever. And then the moment, you know, Michael Keaton came on, I was like, done, I'm in, I'm in. Like, in fact, they could just, they could just cut out all of Ezra Miller and just release the Michael Keaton version, just that movie. (laughs) And I'll, it could be 30 minutes and I'll go see it and I'll probably see it several times. Like, I'm more excited for that than I am for any other comic book movie because I'm just like, I, it's about fucking time. And there were supposed to be big plans for Michael Keaton in this DC universe that got, squashed and i'm like who why isn't anybody listening i think for like a long time no, people have been like you know it'd be really cool and it was like the um, you know one of the top guys at fucking wb who was just like making really terrible decisions and it's like i'm i'm kind yeah. of against fan pandering but like why don't you listen to at least audience you know like sure. if you're gonna do the tests like maybe listen to the results a little bit like i don't fucking yeah. understand what they're doing but this does look good. And I will say, like, I always thought Ezra Miller was a good actor. And it's kind of sad, like, how yeah, bonkers he got. But anyway, um, I also watched that movie Sharper. And so... Um, oh, was that the one with... Uh... Julianne Moore and Bucky yeah. Barnes. Which I, Stan... What's his name? Stan? Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Thank you. Sorry. Um it was pretty good. It's like clever, but there was like, there's a twist there and there's a twist here and there's a twist here. I still liked it. It was like worth watching for both. It was worth watching for Sebastian Stan. I really liked him. Um, yeah. And the young girl is in it, which I can't remember her name right now, but it was also directed um, by a guy who did a few episodes of Andor. I think this is his first like okay. first feature length maybe, but he did like a few episodes of The Crown and Skins. And so I don't know. I It was definitely worth watching for like, a late night thriller that's not too serious, but like still has enough twists to keep you entertained. Um, but then I've just been watching like a shit ton of TV. So like, um, The Last of Us, obviously. Have you watched it yet? What the fuck, I'm dude? Still waiting. You're waiting until the end end to binge it. Is that what's happening? Uh, I'm waiting till at least the end of the season so I can binge that, and then I can go. Oh man, I wish I'd watched this ever on a weekly basis. But that's you know that's because that's my yeah MO. because but... it's similar to in the in the realm of Game of Thrones where like you have favorite people and then you're like oh god I shouldn't have any heart in this show at all because they're probably all gonna die, and so <laughs> right and it's like a harsh world and it is scary and like Pedro Pascal like uh, it's just so hard not to like him he's he's definitely right, on top right now. Um, and then I tried to watch Red Rose. It's really fucking terrible. It's like this teen horror TV show on Netflix. It lost me. I only watched two episodes. If anybody watched it and you think it's worth, you know, me revisiting, let me know. But I doubt it because the second episode, like it was like this evil app in her phone. And in the second episode, like she was trying to have an exorcism for her phone. And I was like, I'm out. I have to, (laughs) this is where I tap out. Like I can't fucking do this. Um, so yeah, I, never... she, I mean, does she not want to get? I haven't seen this show, so I have no idea what you're talking about. But is there any part where somebody just says, "Why don't you just get a new phone?" 
Oh yeah, well you know what it does. It's like it's like blackmailing her. It's like we're gonna show you're poor if you delete us or if you don't do what we say, we're gonna like, you know, fire your dad from his job type of thing. You know, like this type of thing. And sure. Then she thinks it's possessed by an evil entity, but like I, I never got further than that. Um, I, could, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And then um, Wu Tang is back. Um, the show, an American saga on Hulu. It's really fucking good. I really enjoyed the first yeah. two seasons. I mean, when you, it's like our era of like when Wu Tang came up and you know in the '90s, and like that was my mm. whole adolescence, and that was like the one hip hop group that I think like really changed my um, taste in music. And so I love seeing the story. And then recently they did like a whole ODB story. And so I've noticed that like he's kind of resurging in popularity again. Like I see a lot of people listening to his music and I was like, dang, this brings back a lot of like weird middle school and high school memories, but it's really fucking good. And everyone who, you know, is on the show is like such a great actor and it's the last season. And um, I really, I really enjoy it. If you like Wu-Tang, it's for the children. Um, you know, speak, well, speaking of eras and, and our eras and everything like mm-hmm. that, I was reminded of you specifically because um, uh, a friend of mine was over last week and was talking about movies that he had just recently watched for the first time. And he was like, and then I saw Hackers and I was like, and he had oh already, at this point, he had already, at this point, he had already shit on Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So I was like, you got to be really fucking careful what you say next <laughs> about hackers. And I, and I was telling the story about you and I on a business trip and everybody else going to bed and you and I just being like, we're going to stay up and watch hackers. And like, which we had both had already seen, but like, I just remember like, that was one of my favorite times watching a movie just because it was like i think we were having a little bit to drink and we were just watching the hackers and like i remember you were making pins at the time and i remember like you got to make a hack the planet pin which you did and i still have by the way um but i i that movie always reminds me of that era you know that like i'm you know that i don't get nostalgic about the 90s unless it's hackers you know, or like a few other movies like Clueless will make me like pine for like that, that part of my childhood. But um, anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just I, I thought of you no, and I wanted to get amazing. that out there. I can't believe watching. Imagine watching Hackers for the first time, especially in like this realm. Like I would yeah. love kids to watch it. And it's so cool. I definitely want to be a hacker at the end of that um movie and i think i was except i downloaded viruses into my dad's computer so sorry <laughs> well i just wanted to go to that shitty club that that doesn't exist that they go to i know where, like, where, where he's like skating around on his rollerblades yeah. it's so cool um and then so i watched part of red rose and then there's a limited you know short show three episodes um the mcdaw murdoch murdoch murders jesus christ it's like one of these true crime things it's like kind of an ongoing case um but you know it's about privileged rich white people in small southern towns getting away with murder after murder after murder just because they think they can and how like these rich people like it's like it's so ridiculous that it sounds like a plot of a yellowstone episode you know like (laughs) the cover-ups and you know the police that they have under their fucking you know thumb it's just crazy but that was really good. And then uh, the last thing I've been watching recently, which a friend was like, you just have to watch it. And finally, I gave it a chance. And I was like, this is really fucking good. And it might be on par with The Wire. I'm not through yet. I just started season one, Snowfall. Um, it's on FX. It's 1980s Los Angeles. And it's like right before the crack ec- epidemic, like when huh. um, Coke was still kind of king. And then it transitions into it. But the season one is like, re- it's like hard. Like I was like, this is on FX. Like you show this on regular cable network. You're like, God damn. 
but uh-huh. it's good and like everyone's really good and like this season like whatever it's like definitely setting up for like a much bigger storyline um so I'm really enjoying it. I really like it. And I can see it's, it's, I think it's six seasons. So I have a little while to go or maybe five seasons, okay. but I'm telling you, it's like really fucking good. And like, it's been a while since I've been into a show like this. Like I watched Narcos, but like in other drug show cocaine, you know, like I just didn't, it didn't attach to me. And I think the characters are very human and I, you know, I love any era of Los Angeles and show or film. So yeah, um, I, I would mean, definitely I watch it. So that's kind of like all I watch. But what about you? Uh, no TV. I haven't watched any TV. Um, I I would like to think that I'm just too busy, but I'm probably not. I'm just too lazy. Um, Are we old by I, calling streaming TV? <laughs> I mean, we watch it I on guess the so. TV. But honestly, like the thing is, is that like, and I was talking about this with the same friend who I was talking about with, who was um spoke highly of hackers so i'm not i'll, I'll you know but did not speak highly <laughs> of Jones mom babysitter's dead which i'm still kind of like how the fuck can you hate that movie like that's just whatever but um we were talking just about like you know the last of us and all this stuff and it's just like there's just so many fucking shows out there and like the it gets overwhelming thinking like all right, i have another show i need to commit to you know mm-hmm. um and that's not say again like i said there's shows that like i'm obviously going to be sucked in I'm going to be pulled in right away. Like, you know, like when Chucky season two came out, I was like, oh, I'm watching this, you know, and I did, I did but um, I, I watched a lot of, you know, well, I don't want a lot, but I watched a few movies. One movie that we, when we were doing um, Paper House, our last episode, I didn't mention that I had watched, which I did weeks before that. And I kind of want to throw this out there was Glass Onion. Um, Cause we did not talk about that at all. Oh wait, we I didn't? You saw that. I don't think so. No. The, uh, the new one? Yeah. The, uh, the, the second Knives Out. Did we? Well, I, know I liked I it. it. I, that's all I care. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I liked it. Um, I liked Knives Out more, like the original one more. I yeah. think just because I like, I think I liked that dynamic more, like the the. Um, I do the too. Fan. Honestly, the first one I think was a little bit better, a little more puzzling. This one was a little more poppy. Yeah, it was a little bit, and it's like you know, oh god, who's Edward Norton playing? Obviously, you know, it's like, but. Um, yeah. Whatever. I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed I I mean I think Daniel Craig it somebody I can't remember reading it, I think it was Dave Batista said in an interview, I think it was him who said Daniel Craig looks like he's having more fun playing this than he was playing Bond, you know? I mean um, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could do that too. Um but I watched that and then I rewatched uh, a movie called Creature, which was directed by William Malone who do, did the House on Haunted Hill remake. I've seen this movie before. It's not great. It's it's. I mean, if you turn the volume off on a visual level for a low budget, clear alien ripoff, it is fantastic. It's it's like wow, this looks really good for no money, you know. Um, when you listen to it with the dialogue, it's like oh, you it's it's cringeworthy. But um, I still you know watch it. And I have a copy of it from Vinegar Syndrome because they release his director's cut, which was supposedly lost or whatever. It's not that much of an improvement, but whatever. It's a fun movie. I would definitely recommend it. It's it's if you took the movie Alien and you instead you had Simone from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and um, the woman who was in Inner Space and the Burbs. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the uh, Bruce Dern's wife in, in the Burbs, and she's the girl that Martin Short, woman that Martin Short works with in Inner Space. And then you have uh, Ferris Bueller's father. It's it's alien, but with those with those people, and you can kind of go from there. Um, but I still enjoy it for being whatever. I rewatched the long goodbye because I 
just love that fucking movie so oh, yeah. much. We were talking about um, Altman too. I know, and and I, I and after we talked about, it, I was like, God yeah. Damn, then I you're like, uh, I I get that because like once he's mentioned, you're like, you know what? It's been a while, and this is so good that like. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I'm not. I don't worship the altar of Altman. Like, there's a lot of like the movies of his that I like, I really like, and the movies of his that I don't like, I really don't like. You know. Yeah. But um. I've never kind of hit a middle ground with him, but I love, I do truly love the long goodbye. And I've been reading uh, Raymond Chandler's the big sleep, you know, which is um, the first Philip Marlowe story. And like, so I just, every time I'm reading, I was like, I just really want to watch the big sleep, you know, or the long goodbye. So I, I rewatched that. And then I watched for the first time and I highly recommend this movie. Um, I don't know where you can find it. I had to buy it on iTunes, but it was seriously $4. And it was like, you know what? This is worth it. Um, it's an adaptation of a, I want to say a book from the 30s or 40s called Day of the Locust. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine had told me about this in high school. She said she had read it and I was like, I would really love it. And I just never read it. And then I, I kept seeing the trailer at, at um, American Cinematheque uh, last year when they were doing a, kind of like a, a run of like L.A. films. And, um, you know, they would just show trailers of L.A. specific movies. And Day of the Locust is a period piece about um william atherton who plays who's uh, walter peck in ghostbusters mm-hmm. he plays this production designer who comes to la you know fresh faced, whatever it's like right before world war ii and um he uh he gets an apartment he's gonna he works at paramount he gets an apartment he meets his neighbor who's played by karen black who's like this like beautiful woman who wants to be like this famous star but she's only doing extra work at the moment and she's just not that good you know, but she's she looks really good, but she's just not a good actress. Um, and it also um, has Donald Sutherland plays a, this kind of like this neurotic rich guy who's like in love with Karen Black. And his name is Homer Simpson, uh, really? which is where the character's name came from. Yeah, it came it came it came from Get David Lopez. Get the fuck Locus. out, really? Mm-hmm. I had no it idea. Like, yeah, so it's, it's made in the 70s. Um, and like so, William Atherton's in love with her. She keeps reject. She rejects him all the time. She kind of like she shacks up with Homer Simpson because he's he respects her, but like and he doesn't ask her for any. He doesn't like want anything from her. He just he just wants to like yeah, I just want to you know make you happy, you know. And he's like, and it all kind of like you know kind of comes to like a, a head at the end and everything like that. And it's like it's a really scathing satire on Hollywood and like fame and like what the city does to people. Um but uh the last 15 minutes of this movie are some of the best non-horror film horror moments I've seen in a movie where I was just like, "Oh, this is legit terrifying." And uh it and it's a bunch of reviewers called it out saying like, yeah, the last 15 minutes of this movie become a horror film. And I definitely recommend it. It's a really great movie. Um, William Atherton, Donald Sutherland, Karen Black, Burgess Meredith. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else of, of Oh, um, God damn it. Why am I Billy Barty? Who is the, the, the little guy, the, the, <laughs> the little person from, uh, he was in Willow. He was in legend. He's been in a mm-hmm. bunch of, he, he was one of the more famous. He plays like this drunk who like this alcoholic who lives in, same apartment complex it's just a wild movie and um really worth watching and it's again because we're talking about movies that take place in la or you know tv or or film this is a good one and i just watching it made me realize like i was like god damn like i remember as a kid not being sure if karen black was a great actress because you know for all like the great stuff she did like in the early 70s and, and and kind of through the mid 70s as well 
she I, a lot of times I'd see her and stuff. It'd be like a really bad low budget movie because it was at the time I was a kid that I didn't understand that like some actors just fucking they work, you know? Yeah. They don't like they just hey I'm it's a fucking paycheck. Let's fucking yeah, pay. exactly. Exactly. And Karen Black was definitely one of those people who just liked working and she would work on a lot of stuff. And and watching Day Locust made really made me really realize like God she was a fucking awesome actress. And um. And I really enjoy her a lot, and in this movie, and and it's really really weird because even though his character is definitely has like really shitty moments, it's probably the most sympathetic character that William Atherton has ever played. Because usually when he plays a character, again Walter Peck in Ghostbusters or a uh, fucking the the evil scientist in Biodome, you know what I mean? Like he's usually playing an asshole, and it's interesting to see him play a, a slightly sympathetic character. And then Donald Sutherland as Homer Simpson is just like so sweet and sad, and like it's uh, watch the trailer, and if you're not you're not hooked into it. I don't yeah. know what to tell you, but it's four or five bucks on iTunes. Go for it. If the trailer, you know, you know, does your does the thing for it you. Tickles but your fancy, yeah. Tickles your fancy. That was the phrase I was looking for, and it just completely eluded me. Thank you. <laughs> and then, uh, and that I feel like that's a great. I I do feel like these are a good segue though to kind of into the next movie because we're talking about working actors, and one of my favorite working actors, and I'm not joking, has always been John Saxon. Oh man. Um, I mean, I remember like. Enter the Dragon is like one of my all-time favorite movies. Absolutely. I mean, Cine Family showed it once on Christmas Eve, and I just went by myself because I was like, fuck yeah, I want to see this on the, in the theater. Like, he is so good. And and uh, kind of funny because do you want to say what we did, what we watched? Well, yeah. I mean, um, we watched a movie in an Italian horror film taking place in uh, – or shot in Atlanta. Yeah. It doesn't take place in Atlanta, but it is shot in Atlanta. Um, okay. The, the first half Cannibal of it, Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, is shot as a Vietnam flashback. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so, I, like, I think it's funny. So I'll, I'll talk about this after, but I think the whole thing of John Saxon being in this movie is, like, kind of hilarious, even though I really like him, and it is, like, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I know exactly. I actually literally watched the interview where he talks about that, um, you know, what you're about to talk about. Um, but so John Saxon uh, is in, you know, it's Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, also, I kind of like the other name, but it kind of sounds of sexy. It's like Cannibal in the it. Streets. And I'm like, yeah. oh, a Cannibal in the Streets. But like, you know, yeah, like... right. Well, it's funny you say that. And I will talk about that in a second, too. But um, John Saxon plays this uh, Vietnam vet who, um, you know, in a flashback, we see that he, you know, he's kind of going through jungle and he finds uh a few P american pow's one of which is his friend charlie <laughs> charlie bukowski okay i was gonna like... ask like he did that on purpose right and they say his i mean so much come on <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> but um his friend you know his friend and this other guy are in this like kind of like hole and um they've been held prisoner and um, they're John Saxon, like he goes to save them, and he's clearly horrified when he finds out that, when he sees that they're eating uh, a Vietnamese woman who had fallen into the pit, and um, and they're just tearing her to pieces with their teeth, and um, and you know he reaches in to grab them, and then one of the guys bites him, and then boom, cut to 1980 or 81 or whatever. And the idea is that. Um, cannibalism can be passed through a bite and um and then his friend comes back his is the buddy who is in the the hole um from vietnam 
Charlie Bukowski comes back and is like, hey, let's get together, meet up for a beer. And then for some odd reason, they never actually meet for a beer, but everything goes horribly wrong. Where like Charlie Bukowski attacks a woman like at a movie theater and then gets chased down and into this like, I want to say a mall, but like it looks like a flea market, like kind yeah. of like a or, you know, and, uh, you know, this this weird minor cannibalism epidemic kind of spreads from these three you know these people and john sax ends up teaming up with his vietnamese vietnamese vietnam war buddies who are cannibals and you know and he's kind of you know john saxon's getting a little cannibalism into a little cannibalism himself and then um they just kind of it becomes a weird action movie like in the sewer yeah it's kind of like a weird thrillery type of uh like you know they're still in vietnam and so that whole part I think is really funny. So John Saxon hates this movie. Um, he's yes. said that he doesn't like it. And the part that I think was really funny is he got a really bad translated <laughs> script and he mm-hmm. was like, Oh, this sounds really good because it's like an allegory talking about, you know, Vietnam as a virus, um, mm-hmm. you know, a metaphor for, you know, the condition of man, you know, the duality of man. And then, he is on set and he's like, what the fuck is this meat for? And they're just like, you know, because it's cannibal. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And he's like, I got depressed and had to like really think about it. But saying all of that, he gives a stellar performance. I mean, like this movie is so ridiculous. I, it It's so ridiculous that it makes it good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I will say I really liked it, but I like laughed at parts that I was like, I can't believe they're trying to do this. I can't believe they're making John Saxon say this. Like, Sure. And like, and, and, you know, it's funny cause I, like I said, I watched the interview, it's on the Keanu Lorber disc and he talks, there's a, a special feature on the making of the movie. He, inter- he does the interview and he's talking and he's like, yeah, I thought, you know, this would be a great, the idea of like, you know, the, the horror of Vietnam, like being transmitted as a virus through a bite so he knew there was like a biting uh, uh, aspect to the movie, but like when he found out what it was, he was just like, oh, fuck. And it's funny because the movie he describes that he thinks he's going to make, I'm like, ah, that actually sounds like a, I could actually, well, that could be a cool okay, movie in itself too. Done, we've done some Vietnam, especially Ariel Howard movies like Death Dream, um, mm-hmm. which made me, which this made me think of a, it was like, okay, I can see why he might have thought that. Yeah. This was like where it was going, and like it does make a lot of sense the way he said it. And I could see how, like, mm-hmm. the loose translation, he'd be like, Oh, this sounds like something I really want to do. But then watching it, you're like, This is this <laughs> also... is like not at all what. And it, I know it's like not supposed to be funny like that, but it totally is. And like, there are some parts where I was like, ah! Like, started laughing because it was just so. Well, I think that's that's the other thing too. One, I mean, like, what I love about that that story about him getting the script is that because he's worked in so many Italian films, he's like, yeah, I know that you know, like, they're badly translated sometimes. And I was like, a oh, cannibal, whatever. You know, he just like dismissed it because like he just thought it was a bad like spelling or 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 bad translation. And then of course, you know, he finds out what the movie is when he's got it, you know, whatever. But um, what I think is so funny about this movie is that it comes out in a, at a time when like. In Italian cin- uh, genre cinema, there's two major um, subgenres. There's the Italian cannibal films, like um, Ruggiero Diodato's Cannibal Holocaust and mm-hmm. Alberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox. And then, also at the same time, you get you're getting these Italian zombie movies like Fulci's Zombie and you know Alberto Lenzi's City of the Walking Dead, also Nightmare City. Which, if you haven't seen this that movie, this movie kind of reminds me of Nightmare City as well, where it's like a, a 
kind of a zombie epidemic movie where like this it's soldiers that are um the trans transmitting the virus um but you know so it's it's comes out at the time and these two subgenres are a big deal and then this movie try kind of tries to like you know merge them together and if you think about it like if a zombie movie a zombie movie is a cannibal movie it's just they're dead you know yeah so they're almost they're very similar but like they're you know if, if you want to make the distinction between the two this movie kind of like merges them to, together and i think that's that's part of the reason why it's like it's kind of ridiculous and then also you've got characters like there's i can't i want to say his name is wallace wilkinson right who's playing this de- this detective or this chief i don't know what the fuck he is and i swear to god he got a different script where he's like he got a script where he's like oh i get to play this hard-boiled detective in a film noir and because his dialogue i'm just like are you fu- like what the fuck is this, is this guy's dialogue also, doing in like this movie some of the characters were dubbed for a little bit i was like i was like why does yeah. this sound so weird but some um, of them are american some of them are italian yeah so that makes a lot of sense and that i will say though like most of the characters were like on point like the the person who played charles bukowski also uh, giovanni like, lombardo radici yeah they were giving such serious you know like acting or you know scenes to well, this movie and he's an interesting actor because where I saw the first time I ever saw him in a movie was a, a House at the Edge of the Park, which is um, Ruggiero Diodato's. Oh um, yeah, my little Italian friend told me to watch that. It's rough. I mean, like it, I, I here's the thing: is like when I say I enjoy it, it's it's I don't enjoy it. It is a yeah. good movie. It's just very rough. It's like two guys, one played by David Hess from Last on the Left, Last House on the Left, and um, Giovanni Lombardo Radici, who's like kind of plays his dopey like friend slash sidekick. They basically like party crash a gathering of like rich people you know and torture and just fuck with them you know and there's like a there's a rape scene there's you know it's it's pretty wild um but it's actually like it's kind of how i feel about cannibal holocaust where it's like my problem with cannibal holocaust is that there's things there's scenes in that movie that just don't need to exist like you do not need to hurt a fucking animal to make a fucking movie let alone a cannibal movie i don't there's just no excuse for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, if you if if I could if I could edit out all those parts, I actually think Cannibal Holocaust is like a a good a decent you know a pretty good movie. I feel the way House on the Edge of the Park, where it's like no animals are harmed or anything, so let's you know, but whatever. It's like oh, I don't enjoy watching this movie, but I think it's a good movie. Um, but he's really good in that, and then uh, he was in Stage Fright. And, oh, okay, um, interesting. That yeah. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's a great, he's a great uh, actor in Italian genre films, but, and, and what you were saying, though, is that, like, that's one of the things I love about John Saxon is whatever movie he's in, whether it's Into the Dragon, whether it's um, uh, The Glove, which I, is an underrated film, which I recommend everybody check out, um, to, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, when yeah. I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street, he is Lieutenant Thompson. He is Nancy's father. He is this, he is the detective, the chief in this town. I, I fucking I he he commits so much to everything he's doing, and he makes it so like whether or not you believe the movie, you believe him in the movie, and that's how I feel about Cannibal Apocalypse, where it's like yeah I, the movie is fucking ludicrous. I fucking I am completely invested in John Saxon a hundred percent. There's a scene with him, and um, her name is uh, uh, Cynthia De Carellis. She's the the young teenage Baby. neighbor next door. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like the babysitter, but no, she's just like. That she lives with her aunt. She's like, there's kind of like a foxy, you know, older man neighbor. Like, it's it's uncomfortable. I was like, going, I was like, this could be a porno. Like, (laughs) it gets, but here's the thing is that, like, and 
I, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I was watching the scene again, and I was just like, God, there's something kind of sexy about this scene. It's dark, it's disturbing, but it's like, it, you know, she's like trying to seduce him, and, you know, and like, there's something really weird about that, and, it, you know, and he's trying to be like, whoa, you know, like, hey, you know, whatever, but then at one point, like, he like, you know, we don't see it happen, but we find out later that um, he bitter, you know, and like that starts that, you know, that chain of events for her character, you know, which we never really see. We kind of like we touch up on them. Oh, yeah. You know, whatever. But I like that he straight they... up lied to to his wife. She was like, I don't want to listen to this. He's like, I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you <laughs> I wanted to bite her. But you're like, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, ass. <laughs> and, and the weird thing about this movie, too, is that like there's at least in the very beginning of the movie, they are trying to tie in, I think. Um, some eroticism with the cannibalism. Yeah. Like, there's that scene, and then there's the next scene where Charlie goes nuts in the movie theater and bites this woman is because these, this couple decide, where should we go fuck? Oh, let's go to a packed movie theater and just get, you know, get the business on. And so they're in the theater, and they're getting it on, and then he just, like, he's getting... Oh, yeah, he's getting aroused. Italian sleaze. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. It made it, like, funny. Yeah, like, she's get, she's, like feeling it and then he like scoops in from behind but instead he like and it is pretty yeah. gory in some parts you know but yeah she gets it some other way i'll just say that um but it it was like kind of ridiculous and really funny and i could see that like a lot of people are like what the fuck is this sleazy ass movie but in fact i think a lot of times when people are getting bit in this movie not all, all the times but a lot of times it, it kind of again it ties in with like like there's a scene where this yeah, nurse like or this doctor like animalistic like urge like almost yeah like, like vampiric or whatever you want to call it like she but... kisses this dude and she ends up biting his tongue out you know it's like it's mixed with like sexuality i it, again very i think Italian that was what they were trying to do and then they kind of lose lose sight of that a few times and they're just like remember that thing where we were like kind of mixing those two together and eh, fuck it yeah, now we're, we're just gonna kind of throw it away <laughs> but you can see that we're like there's three cases in this movie where you're like oh they're they're clearly trying to mix like arousal and cannibalism yeah and like, or that's what kind of makes the leads Except to the fight you know quite reaches that point of where they're like yes. see here's our point guys it just kind of like you said they're just kind of like oh let's forget about that but at the right. end, it is really, like, I fucking screamed when John Saxon in his, is in his uniform and, like, wearing the face paint. And he's like, his wife walks in and he's like, get away from me. And then she ends up yeah. getting fucking bit anyway. I'm just like. She gets bit by this doctor friend of hers who's been, like, his, one of his also, first fucking lines in this yeah. movie is, is, um. I always said you should have married me instead. And just like every time this character's with this, with with John Saxon's wife, he's always like just flat out fucking hitting on her. And so again, kind of like going back to the eroticism thing is like he shows up and she's like, oh, and she runs over to like, and he just like looks at her and he's got that look on his face. And then he bites her right above her breast. Yeah. And then like that being said, all of that ludicrousness, I think the ending is actually pretty dark. You oh, know, I yeah, mean, like, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, I like everything. I've really found it very ridiculous, but like really good. Even the like the score or whatever was like kind of seventies sleazy, like because we're right mm-hmm. at the end of the seventies into the eighties, and you're like, oh, this is very sleazy. Um, yeah, it was directed by Antonio Margarete. Margarete. Um, as yeah. you know, um, from Inglorious Bastards, you know, Quentin Tarantino really loved this film, which is kind of funny. He called it one of his favorite films and, uh, he wanted to honor the director who died a few years before Inglorious Bastards came out, but he used his real name 
as a you know at the end in the character he, that was his like Italian cover. Um, yeah, and then when I think you look he, him up, <laughs> when you look up Antonio Margheriti, you will get pictures of Eli Roth. By the way, I know, I know, it's like it's really funny and it's kind of hard, but I like that Quentin Tarantino kind of loved it, and you can see where he bites some of it, and I I guess bite or you know um, immortalizes is a different type of word, but. I yeah I really liked it this is the only one of his I've seen um he's done a lot of like kind of sleazy Italian movies um under what what was he using Anthony M. Dawson his American name yeah something to make him Um, more assimilated of course Castle of Blood well I mean that was the thing that they did a lot with like you know Italian horror films in the um I feel like I've seen some of his other films I can't remember. Like he's done a lot before he passed. Long hair of death and Castle of Blood, but yeah, in, oh, in the seventies and eighties. Okay, yeah. So then you've seen his stuff, and like in in that time period, a lot of times because just a lot of distributors would be like, "Well, nobody's want to fuck. Nobody wants to fucking see a foreign film. Nobody wants to see an Italian name show up in like the credits and think, oh, it's a foreign film.' So, um, yeah, the Beyond was re-released as like the Seven Doors of Death, and I think the director's name. I mean, like they changed Fulci's name to something so like. Really? Are you fucking? Yeah. Ew. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Feels wrong. Oh yeah. I, I mean, like, and and that's the thing too is like, and also the best thing about that is that like sometimes they would call a movie like three different things so they could release it three different times, and this was a different, this was a different era when like distribution and and stuff like that was almost like the Wild West where like you would um you could get away with shit like that. Like eat, Toby Hooper's eaten alive came out three or four fucking times under different titles, you know, yeah. because it was like, Oh, it didn't make that much money this time. Well, we're, we're not going to, we ain't losing money on this movie. We're going to fucking release it as blank, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, they definitely cha- They would a lot of times. And then sometimes a lot of these Italian directors, they fell into that. They were like, okay, cool. Well, my American name's going to be this, blank, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. even like, I can't remember Giovanni Lombardo Radici's, uh, he used an American name, I think, in this movie as well. But yeah, that's um, true. So it it happened a lot, you know, where they would just change. And and actually, the other thing too, the one thing you notice is that like some of these actors are very much Italian, and some of them are very much American. Um, Saxon being one of them, the guy who plays the weird fucking detective. But the teenage girl who lives next door, not uh, not American, very Italian. And I can't remember which. I want to say she was in um, one of Argento's first films. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as you know, she was a little girl at that point. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that fucking character, and I don't feel bad saying it because by the time she's in Cannibal Apocalypse, she's older, you know. So yeah. I'm really looking, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, she, I, she's kind of foxy in a fucked up way, and uh, and <laughs> as a seductive and that scene is, neighbor, yeah, young it, neighbor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, like, definitely, you're like, oh, this could be a completely different movie. Um, but yeah, it, like again, the, what makes this movie what it is is John Saxon. Even though he does not like this movie, he's like, uh, well, I'm. Hey, they're fucking paying me. He said he was going through pretty much a divorce where he was living in two different places and he uh-huh. had uh, two mortgages and he was like so when the script came in i was like super excited because i was like great i got work i've got money coming in and then you know he finds out what he's doing in this movie but he doesn't fucking <laughs> he doesn't he's never have... above the material exactly he really isn't and that's what i love about it like even like i kind of makes me love it more that even though he hated it he was like i'm just gonna do this shit and he did it yeah and- it's kind of great like as ridiculous as it is it's also great um and so i would definitely like this is a great like friday night watch i feel like i do like i do very much like the fact that um there's a scene where 
you know, the cannibal army dudes, John Saxon, Charlie Bukowski, and his, uh, their, their other friend from Vietnam, I think his name is Terry there. Uh, and this, this doctor slash nurse or whatever that they're like, that they've, who's also now a cannibal and they're all whatever they get jumped by this gang of, um, that they came across, that Charlie came across earlier on the movie and, and whatever, and killed one of their members and everything like that. Anyway, there's this moment in there, there's this fight scene and John Saxon is busting out his authentic Kung Fu, which he fucking knows. Like John Saxon yeah, is a black well, belt. He had to. Yeah. If you're fighting, Bruce and he Lee. only right, and he well, he he had been a black belt prior to Enter the Dragon. He yeah. only agreed to do Enter the Dragon if he could use. He's like, I don't want to have a, a double. I want to be able to. I yeah. want to do all those, you know. And I think he just. I think he got like. I think that was part of. I imagine. I I don't know, but I imagine him being like, look, I'm not gonna walk away from this picture, but you're you better let me do some of my fucking karate. In the in the towards the end of the movie, and he does, and it's ridiculous because everybody else is just having this like really rough and tumble fight, and he's doing these like karate kicks, and it's like, yep, yeah, that's John Saxon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love, I truly love, like uh, even when he's in like because he does like Nightmare Beach, yeah, afterwards another Italian horror film, Passing Eyes, an American horror film, and he's he's great in that. I mean, like I just again anything that guy does, I believe him in the movie. And um, I just love that he loved to work, you know, going back to what I said about Karen Black, where it's just like some of these actors, they just, yeah, that's what they do. That's their fucking, that's their, their job. And for him, he got to try, he got to, he worked with so many Italian directors and and so many, I mean, he worked with fucking Bava, Argento, you know, it's like, he's, he had a career, man. Yeah. And. Um, and that's just his Italian stuff. And then you yeah, got, and he like, died I said, in 2020, which I kind of remember, but like, you know, a lot of people died of it like in 2020. And so when I was looking him up, I was like, is he still alive? And I was like, oh no, fuck. He died a few years ago. Yeah. I was, I was bummed. That was one that I was bummed out about. You know, like, he had a very good and, and rich life. You know, it's like, fuck man. Like I remember watching him in interviews where he talked about working in like, cause I mean, if you thought, here's another fun fact about John Saxon. Think of how many actors in horror, work you know like he does nightmare on street one nightmare on street three and then years later comes back and does nightmare on street west caves of nightmare which is number seven and mm-hmm. so he had this really he had a perspective and in you know as the movies progressed the the budgets had, had increased and so he had a really interesting take on like watching the cast you know the yeah working on the first one was like this working on the third one was like everybody was getting pissed off because you know they've been working for hours and whatever and then by you know and then he gets to seven where it's like it's as close to a Hollywood picture as New Line's going to get in, like, you know, 1993, 94. Yeah. And so it's, he had really always had these really interesting takes, and then he shows up in From Dust Till... I remember going to the theater and seeing From Dust Till Dawn when I was a kid and be like, oh, that's the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street, because he's in it for five minutes in yeah. the very beginning. He's, he's, uh, he, he's I mean, Kelly Preston, of all people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's just, he's a great... So, like, I'll if I see him on the video cover of something, I'm going to fucking watch it. Yeah, that's true. And that was the case of Cannibal Apocalypse years ago. I saw the DVD of him, and I was like, I'm in. I was like, I don't care if this movie's shit. It's gonna be, he's going to be great in it, and I, I, I hold to that. Yeah, no, he he really gives it all. Um, so I loved it. It's on Tubi um, yeah. for free, which mm-hmm. is great. Tubi's doing the Lord's work here. They really are. Um, but also you can get it, and Kino Lorber has a really good release of it that that's – Oh, you know, with the interview? I watch it on. 
Yeah, they. I mean, like, come on, for a fucking movie about you know called Cannibal Apocalypse, the fact that there's any special features on this is impressive. <laughs> and there is some good. I mean, like I said, there's a, there's a the documentary itself, like the interview with John Saxon, like has so many sound problems and so many hiccups, but whatever. It's like you get to hear John Saxon, who's game to talk about a movie he didn't like being in. Yeah, he I kind of love that. He's it. like, hell yeah, I'll talk about that piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it was filmed years ago, like the interview, but yeah. like, I mean, prior to, but it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, it's a great release. I would definitely recommend checking it out, but also Tubi does it for free, you know. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank so. you guys. That was. Yeah, so check it out and uh, we hope you enjoy it. All righty. Check us out on Instagram. Let us know if there's any movies that you think we should do. Yeah, right to us. Goodbye. Bye. Jesus. My God, son, put it down. Barricaded in the flea market, taking pot shots at the cops outside. Okay, that's enough. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, please try to understand. Listen to me. While she was here, I, I had this urge to bite her. To bite her, you understand? Like Bukowski.